2: This is the Locked on Bengals podcast. I'm James Erpene. Great to have you in on a Tuesday night. Sorry the podcast is a little late. Filled in for Mo today on ESPN 1530. As always, you can subscribe on iTunes, the iHeartRadio app, and Megaphone. And it's great to have you in. I'm on Twitter, at James Erpene, at Locked on Bengals. And I'm going to give you a couple interviews from earlier today on ESPN 1530. First one, Paul Daner Jr., Cincinnati.com, covers the Bengals he joined me, we talked about the future of Marvin Lewis, discussed the John Ross cornerback thing, and so much more. If I mention ESPN 1530, it's because I talked to him earlier today on ESPN 1530. Here's my conversation with Paul. As we do every single Tuesday, Paul Daner Jr. of Cincinnati.com joins us to talk Bengals and other stuff. Paul, any, any lineman names you want to throw out there for the draft?
0: No, there are not any lineman <laughs> names I like to throw out there. How, how many mock the drafts, drafts right have now? you
2: done as of now?
0: I've done, I've done no mock drafts. Same here. Uh, I, I, I'd like for the draft order to get set first. That feels like Correct. maybe something that we wait for is for <laughs> there to actually be a draft order that you can mock, and then at that point, maybe we can start. We can start talking about that.
2: Yeah, because what's well, going to happen? Watching. I mean,
0: hey, at this point, we're watching, right? I mean, you can't not yeah. be.
2: Well, what's going to happen now is the the Bengals are going to rally, go eight and eight. Marvin's going to save his job, and they're going to pick fifteenth. So they're going to get a worse draft pick, and everything's going to be great.
0: Sure, sounds great. What else you got?
2: No, okay. Um, so what are <laughs> because everyone wants to hear. No one really wants to hear about the the Vikings, and they feel feel like the the team gave up against the Bears. But what do you think the likelihood, likely or unlikely, is it that Marvin's back next season?
0: Uh, I mean. You know, I would say you know at this point I think it points that he's not going to. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about that. We've written a lot about that. Um, you know, it's, you look at the way the season has gone and it, what has been not having the contract, and you know, certainly if if there was any holding on to anything, it was with well, the team plays hard for him. You're seeing young guys develop. And both of those were really slammed down on Sunday in such a demoralizing fashion. It wasn't that it happened. It wasn't that they lost to the Bears. It was it was how it unfolded. It was the way it looked. It's the optics of the whole thing at this point. Um, it's it's just it's gotten so far beyond the point of no return with the fan base uh, that you know even even Mike, who you know he doesn't make. Decisions based on saying sentiment. Now, he does it based on what he thinks is right or wrong. He, even that has to come into play significantly, I would think, for him at this point. The the one you know, the one wild card in in saying anything like, oh yeah, he's going to be back or he's not going to be back, is is you know, is Mike Brown. I mean, <laughs> if, if they came if they came out of the 2010 season and decided to get back together and 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 reboot and all of that that. Then you could say, "Well, then it's why couldn't they do the same thing here and surprise everybody?" Um, that, that's just the wild card element of this. Um, but I, personally, I you know I don't think that's going to happen. I think a parting of ways from both sides feels like the next step, but we'll we'll wait and see that those uh, first couple of days after the Baltimore
2: game. Paul Dana Jr. Cincinnati dot com joining us, and and that's that's the interesting thing, in in. Apparently, there's going to be between eight to ten jobs opening up across the NFL. I think that and it's so easy to, to guess or, or, or speculate when we have no idea what the hell Mike Brown's thinking. But he could look around and say, well, there's all these openings. I know what I get with Marvin. Hugh's stuck in Cleveland. I don't have anyone I'm familiar with. I'm going to stick with Marvin for another year or two and see what's out there in 2019.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, he, he, you could think that maybe. Uh, I think they have a list, certainly, and I'm sure that they have candidates in their head, people whether they're coordinators, whether they're people that have been here before, whether they're internal candidates. i I'm, They have their list, and, and they're ranking that against what Marvin would be. But the other side of that is is—is is, is, this is a two-way street. Mm-hmm. Does Marvin want to come back here? I mean, a nice, tidy... 15 years above, I mean, with the way things sort of are in this city with him, uh, you know, I, the fact that he didn't really, as far as we can tell, didn't really push for any sort of an extension, was pretty comfortable riding into this year uh, without a contract beyond it. Um, you know, I, it's going to take two sides to this. Um, maybe even if Mike did want to bring Mike bring Marvin back, I, I don't know that uh, you know he would. Necess- that would necessarily go both ways. So um, it, it's got it, it would have to go both ways, and 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 we'll wait and see how that goes.
2: Paul, as far as as this season goes, obviously they're not going to make the playoffs, and it's it's not it's a bunch of different things. But the offensive line to me, let's get into a little bit of the football stuff and not the the off season stuff. The offensive line. Safe to say it's played better in recent weeks?
0: Yeah, until last week, right? I mean, you know, I think the tackles in particular had played better. And we talked about that, about how low the bar that was set with that. I mean, because it was so bad early on. You know, it really took about a half a season for them to figure out what they can do, what they can't do, find some comfort. And then it took about another quarter of the season after that to figure out how they can run the ball. And so, you know, it it, it was a work in progress all year. I mean, there were so many new parts, so many moving pieces throughout the season, such little consistency. It it, it was a challenge for anybody to find comfort every play in what they're doing. That's why there were so many men players. There were so many free runners and things like that that you saw earlier on in the year, but you saw – Less of that. There's still some of the losing matchups one on one, uh you know, and you saw that on on Sunday from the tackles. But when it, you can handle that a little bit, it's it's when the constant free runners off of missed assignments and passing off to no one stuff that was really prevalent earlier in the year that was killing you. So in that respect, yes, I, I do think there was some improvement, but not enough that you feel comfortable going into next year. I mean, it it needs an infusion in a big way.
2: And they certainly will will look to do that in the draft. As far as, uh, because I know Twitter had a a meltdown, and I don't want to address Twitter, but just to clear up any John Ross stuff, what was the whole John Ross cornerback thing that that pro football talk uh, broke yesterday but didn't really break and made a a big deal about?
0: Well, I mean, I, I think what it was was John Ross was in amongst a number of different players that were going to get worked in practice at defensive back positions for possible emergency situations. Uh, Alex Erickson, Tyler Boyd were probably, I mean, these guys were going to get looks at safeties to, to, because they might need to fill in. I mean, there was a point mm-hmm. where it looked like Adam Jones, Draker Patrick, Darquez Denard, Dorjai Loka, Sean Williams. you're starting five DBs. All were not going to be able to go <laughs> at one point. At the point that we were talking about when these discussions were happening, Brandon Wilson was hurt. Uh, you know, you had William Jackson. Uh, you might. You knew you'd have to pull Tony McRae off the practice. I mean, it was getting to the point where they would have seven injured guys that were on the inactive list, and if you were on the forty-six. You needed to find a way to contribute. And everybody needed to find a way to find somebody that could play DB in a possible situation where a couple of guys got hurt. And so they were testing that out. And so it was going to be John Ross, give him a, just like a brief crash course and play in playing corner, and Alex Erickson, a crash course and play in playing safety, and have him ready just in case something happened against Chicago. That was the discussion, and, you know. Those things turn into the Bengals wanted to turn John Ross into a corner, right? And, yeah. And I and I you know I get that, and, and whatever the discussions were and reports that leaked about, oh well, you know they say he one needs to be tougher. Maybe they do think he needs to be tougher. Maybe that is a thing. I don't think that that's crazy. I don't think anybody was thinking trotting him out there as like a corner was going to change any <laughs> bit of that. That's not what was happening inside of the building. It was trying to figure out way to go win a game with pretty dire situations happening in their secondary yeah
2: which we've seen new england do all the time julian edelman played corner for them like four years ago right the troy, troy brown was, was the
0: key to their super bowl yeah, run
2: exactly so that that's what it i just wanted you to explain it so everyone could yeah c- could relax uh he's paul daner jr cincinnati.com you have cory dillon tonight on beyond the stripes
0: we do we do yeah he's uh was kind enough to stick around uh, through his Legends weekend where he was here um, and come on our show. You know, we had him on the podcast before the season, and he, he kind of was able to talk a little bit about his desire to mend fences. And This has kind of been a little bit of a a tour of that this weekend for him. And so if you were a Corey Dillon fan, I know as a, a, a lot of the younger generation that kind of came up um, with this, this new set of Bengals war. Um, he will be down there at Holy Grail Banks at 7 o'clock. We'll talk about the good old days. We'll talk about his thoughts on the current Bengals and you know, get yourself a autograph or a picture or whatever, and we'll, uh, we'll all be down there hanging out.
2: You should ask him how good he is at flipping burgers. We
0: considered... Actually, like you know, because we do something good, we usually have a game or something in our last segment. We consider getting a hot plate and just having him flip burgers while we ask him questions, and not really reference the fact that he's flipping burgers or why he might be It'd flipping be so burgers. Great. We just kind of get asked questions while he's doing it. I don't know if that's going to happen, but it has been discussed.
2: It would be great because I had no, I, I don't have a problem with what he said, and people still get mad at it. <laughs> They still oh, get I, mad I that he's know. I, you know what? It's like
0: it's like the Carson Palmer thing. A lot of people love it. People love anytime a player sort of kicks back uh, at the organization around here. It's, and so there's like that huge contingent though that still thinks thinks that stuff is fantastic. You know what I mean? So, it's, yeah. but I, it, it certainly was the one of the most famous lines ever uttered by uh, number twenty
2: eight. Did Jim tell you that uh, I, I was going to mm-hmm. be a guest on Thursday?
0: I I I'm the Mills Lane of this. I'm uh,
2: just I'm, sure. I'm
0: the referee, so don't think I'm not prepared. I've got a referee shirt and everything, so I'm ready to step in and be very impartial. Impartial down the middle as we, you guys tear it up on the BBP two. I'm ready. I'm I'm ready for this.
2: Yeah, I'm excited. I I think that he's going to compare him to Aaron Rodgers, and I'm going to have to just laugh and walk out of the room.
0: I, I doubt that that will happen. I've done a lot. I've done a lot of podcasts with Jim over the years, and never once has, has he come anywhere near comparing Andy Dalton to Aaron Rodgers. So, Case Keenum. But I, I am
2: curious to see how this will go. Case Keenum. I'm, I'm
0: very curious to see. I've got my shirt. I'm ready.
2: He's Case Keenum. How's that?
0: Case Keenum has a whole lot of wins right now. Yeah,
2: a lot of wins.
0: I mean, I think I think that, I think Bengals fans would take a ten and three club.
2: Yeah, but. <laughs> That's not anyways. Yeah, I can't wait for Thursday. We you're you're trying to get me going now, Paul. I am. I nope, am. Nope, I'm gonna create a teaser. I gotta, I gotta save it teaser. for Jim. Hey, save did, it, did save you, it, did, it for the ring. Did you save watch John ring. Kitna?
0: I did I did watch John Kitna. Yeah.
2: You've been watching him since 11, 2011. There's a <laughs> teaser. He's Paul Dana wow. Jr. Thank you, Paul. See <laughs> you. That's Paul Dana Jr., Cincinnati.com dot com covers the Bengals.
1: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
2: One other interview I did, and you heard me discuss uh, Steelers and Bengals with him, is John Ledyard. NFL Draft does the Locked On Draft podcast, and I had him on just to give us an idea of what offensive linemen could be around, What quarterbacks could be around come draft time as well? Just to get an idea, he joined me on ESPN 1530, and I talked to John. Here's my conversation with John Ledyard. John, let's start there, because last year I know a lot was made of just not having a a lot of high-end prospects along the offensive line. When you look ahead to the 2018 draft, what do you see, and can the Bengals improve that line that's plagued them this season? Yeah, I
3: think that they can, uh, but you're right. It's not a great draft for offensive line. That shouldn't deter anyone from drafting. There's still going to be some gems. I think the interior has some good players. Uh, Where the Bengals would be concerned, obviously, is needing tackles uh, desperately and really not looking like a great offensive tackle class at all. Uh, I think Connor Williams is the guy at the top of the draft they may have a shot at. Uh, He is the one probably getting the most hype right now as a junior. He's already said he's declaring. Uh, he got healthy at the end of the season and, and had a pretty decent year for Texas when he did play. But I think that with Connor Williams, when I watched him, I thought he needed work on reaching his set points and get out, getting out of his stance cleanly and things like that. I think there's a lot of tools there. He's a very physical run defender. That's I mean, just that in a run blocker, that in and of itself is a big upgrade over what Cincinnati has right now. And So I think that there's definitely a lot there to work with. But in order to reach this ceiling as a pass protector, which really, if you're a liability as a pass protector, you know on the outside as a tackle, you're probably getting moved to another position or you're not playing. And so he's got to be able to clean up that part of his game to kind of live up to the hype, I think. But in terms of raw talent, I think he has a ton of ability to be maybe the best tackle in this class and to be a good player in the NFL.
2: Is there depth at? Offensive lineman. Let's talk about centers, actually, because Russell Bodine. I you're familiar, you obviously cover the Steelers and talk about them a lot. Russell Bodine yeah. has been a guy that has he's struggled terrible. throughout his. Yes, he's terrible. So I'm glad <laughs> we're both on the same page. Is there anyone the Bengals could get to to upgrade at center?
3: Yeah, absolutely. There's two guys I think that are really worth watching right now, and I'm sure other names will kind of rise up as well. Actually, I'll say three guys. Billy Price from Ohio State is either a guard or a center in the NFL. He's played both at Ohio State. He's a physical scrapper or a big anchor in pass protection. I think guys can challenge him on his edge in pass protection a little bit, but he's not going to get driven five yards deep like Bodine does all the time. He fights pretty good at the point of attack. He's pretty good in the phone booth, really smart player, leader, um, really heralded work ethic and all those types of things for Ohio State. And then two other guys, I think Frank Ragnall from Arkansas uh, and Mason Cole from Michigan. Uh, Ragnall is uh, similar to Price in some ways. Uh, a little bit more, uh, I think, moves a little bit better than Price does. Maybe a little bit better because and going athletic tools. Uh, can he get down to the second level and make blocks? That was my big question. I thought that he did that pretty well. There was some inconsistencies last year on his tape. This year he got hurt, uh, so I don't know how he has an ankle injury. I'm not sure. He, he's going to the senior bowl. I don't know how that ankle injury is going to affect him and what he's going to be able to do moving forward uh, during the pre-draft process, but he's a name to watch. Uh, and then Mason Cole played uh, left tackle for Michigan this season because they just didn't have anybody else to play tackle, and he was a center last year. He'll be inside in the NFL. I think he moves extremely well. I think he's very crafty with his hand usage. He's a smart player who's really clean in his technique. He's not necessarily a power guy, um, and I wonder if if real long-levered, powerful defensive lineman could could, uh, get into his pads a little bit. But uh, watching him this summer, I thought that he was one of the more impressive players uh, on the offensive line uh, side of things that I saw, uh, based on last year's tape anyway. This year I'll have to take a closer look at him, even though he was playing left tackle, which he definitely won't be a left tackle in the NFL.
2: John Ledyard is our guest. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Ledyard NFL Draft. The other position, and I think there's two positions, obviously uh, it's early in this process, but two positions the Bengals should seriously look at. One, obviously, offensive line. We've talked about that some The other's quarterback, and and some have said that this is one of the deeper classes of quarterback. I'm not so sure that's the case. Just being an outsider looking in right now, when you look at this quarterback class, what uh, what do you see? Depth
3: in a quarterback class is a really funny thing to me and hard to define because you know, in reality, you either are a top 35 to 40 pick at quarterback and you have it, or you don't really. And that's (laughs) you you can say, oh, but there's depth, there's developmental guys and game managers that you can get in the mid-round, sure. Like, that might be true. That just doesn't get me excited, you know. You can find a wide receiver to contribute as a third receiver in the third round, and that guy can be a pivotal part of your offense. If you're talking about depth at a quarterback class, you know, that's always just a really tricky thing to me. Like, I don't really care about depth. I just care about high-end talent. Because if you don't have high-end talent at the quarterback position and you're getting a depth guy that's a game manager at best, you know, in the middle rounds uh, you know, on his best day with a great team around him, you know, to me, that guy's more likely to hold back your franchise than it is anything else. So, you know, to me, high-end talent's what we're looking for, and I think this draft has two guys at the top that make a make a difference for teams right away. I think Josh Rosen and Baker Mayfield are the real deals at quarterback. I, Rosen is one of the more technically polished and clean prospects that I've seen. I really jumped into his tape after the season, you know, been playing on the West Coast. I, I saw a couple of his early season games. He was still coming back from the shoulder injury. Definitely didn't see him settled in just yet, so I kind of went away from him purposely during the season. Wanted to come back and get four or five games on my slate uh, right at once that I could watch over the second half of this season. And I was just blown away. Really impressed. Deep ball accuracy, poise under pressure. Um, he has a quick release. And like I said, his mechanics are fantastic, but he moved well in the pocket. I don't think his arm is elite, but other than that, I think that Rosen's got all the, the pieces tangibly to be a really good quarterback. I know there's talk about his work ethic and some other things to me when I watched him I saw a guy that was ridiculously polished refined both mentally and physically technically I don't know how you get that way without a great work ethic so uh, I have my doubts about the concerns that exist there for him and then Baker mayfield I, I love all the the um, you know the, the competitiveness I love the brashness I love all that stuff you know I know some people are going to talk about character concerns with to me but when his head coach got up uh, during the press conference when he had to, to sit Baker for that game because he did the infamous crotch grab against uh, Kansas when his head <laughs> coach stood up and, I mean, for a minute, just like, could not control his emotions, talking about how much he loved coaching Baker Mayfield and how he would never have another player with him like him and his work ethic and his dedication and how mentally sharp he was and what a leader he was and all those things like Forget the other stuff. Like, you can get all that stuff out as he gets older and more mature. You can live with a penalty here and there and something like that, some bad pub. You can't replace what Baker can bring you in other ways on the field. And So that's a significantly good part of his game. But also, I mean, you're going to hear a lot about Josh Rosen being really polished as quarterback prospect. Baker Mayfield is extremely polished, and people aren't going to use that term because he does play backyard-style football at times. He has that escapability, that athleticism, that – creativity to his game that's going to rely, remind people of Russell Wilson, and that's just not how Josh Rosen plays the game. Not that he can't. I think Rosen does show some of that at times, but that's Baker Mayfield's bread and butter. He's that type of a player. Uh, but he's also the most accurate and efficient quarterback in the country to all levels of the field. I thought he showed that this season. Uh, good decision-maker, takes care of the football. That's the part of the game that people are going to say, oh, you know, he's, he's a little more of a high-risk player just because he plays backyard football. No, he actually, I think, is a better decision maker on a consistent basis than Rosen right now. Even if he isn't quite as quite as good at taking exactly what the defense gives him and seeing things pre-snap, I still think Mayfield is very mentally sharp. I think he's a very hard worker. I think he's very mechanically sound, and he has that it factor that you can wing outside the pocket, can win when plays break down, can create offense when it doesn't look like anything's there, uh, can make great throws on the move. I love that about Baker. I think that he is. A legitimate top end of the first round pick. And then after that, I think Lamar Jackson's really intriguing.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I think Sam Darnold will ultimately go back to school. We'll see what he decides. I think he needs more development, uh, but I think Lamar Jackson's really intriguing and maybe there's something there to develop with Mason Rudolph. And then there's some other guys that I need to take looks at, um, but I'm, I'm not on the Josh Allen bandwagon at all. I don't like <laughs> Luke Falk. I think Sam Darnold needs to go back to school. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Ryan Finley. He should go back to school. So, yeah, at the top, I think two legitimate franchise-caliber quarterbacks. After that, some uncertainty, although I think Lamar Jackson's really intriguing.
2: Yeah, the the interesting thing to me, John, and we're joined by John Ledyard, uh, follow him on Twitter, at Ledyard NFL Draft, with Lamar Jackson, being in Cincinnati is he could fall to the second round. I mean, that's not out of, out of the question. And if you're the Bengals, mm-hmm. you have a, an established quarterback in Andy Dalton. You don't have to invest a top 10, top 12 pick in a quarterback but if you could get a guy with the upside of Lamar Jackson, it might make sense in the second round.
3: Yeah, it would be extremely interesting. I mean, he's very different from Andy Dalton, <laughs> and I'd imagine that at that point you'll have a ton of change in, in Cincinnati. But I thought the biggest thing about Lamar Jackson to me was that he came back to school and improved as a passer. You know, last year I saw a guy who was really fun but was way too scattered in his accuracy to all levels in the field. Uh, I just didn't think there was enough intriguing things about him as a quarterback prospect based on last year's tape. This year, I've had a totally different impression when watching him live. I thought he threw much more on time. He was on schedule with a lot of his decisions. Uh, I thought he was accurate, Uh, especially between the hashes. I think outside of that, there's still some issues. Deep ball accuracy was still iffy when I watched him. Uh, But I think he has the release speed, the velocity. I think he's processing a lot better pre and post snap. Uh, I think he can obviously make plays outside the pocket and, and you know, escape and be a threat with his legs, which I think is a huge, crucial part uh, of quarterback play, and we've seen a lot of quarterbacks recently be successful with that. So he's, to me, the third most intriguing quarterback in this class. Uh, I haven't finished up my tape studying him, so I'm not exactly sure what kind of a grade I'm going to give him or how he's going to use in a numerical scale this year. So I don't know how he's exactly going to grade out on that scale, but I think that he's really intriguing for a team that maybe doesn't need to play a guy right away, um, or would have that mindset about it anyway, even though these guys always end up playing uh, pretty early. I think that he uh, has a, a lot of the physical and athletic traits that you want to develop at the position. And I think that he, if he's, he can continue the, the rate of growth that he's shown so far, his best football could still be ahead of him.
2: John, one last question for you. And I, I know you obviously followed the, the, the draft last year, covered it, one of your favorite guys was Carl Lawson. And, and he's a player here mm. that, that the Bengals fans love. But what did you – love uh, about Carl Lawson. Were you shocked that he fell to the fourth round?
3: I was shocked. Um, I, I had heard some rumors that he wasn't going to go as high as I had him, which was in the first round. So I didn't expect him to go first round. I thought he would be a mid, mid-day two type of pick. Um, and then when he fell to day three, I just absolutely floored. I wondered if there was some, something injury-wise I hadn't heard. And I, I did some digging around, asked people. I didn't hear anything on that front. You know, I mean, obviously he had injuries in college, so I'm sure that was a part of his evaluation, but it wasn't like there was anything that could prohibit him from playing, or you know anything like that. So bizarre to me, but you know the NFL doesn't like short armed fast rushers without elite level athleticism. I guess I don't know. We've seen them still take those guys. So Ryan Anderson went early in the second round. But, you know, the Washington's going to have to live down for the rest of their life why they took a player like Ryan Anderson when Carl Lawson played in the same conference dominated competition in that conference as a pass rusher and a run defender and went two rounds later than than, uh, Ryan Anderson. Just made absolutely no sense whatsoever. But uh, you could see it right away. I mean, he's Mm -hmm. the most polished pass rusher coming out of college. He was was more polished than other guys who've been successful already this season like Barnett and Garrett and T.J. Watt, and those guys are all going to be really good players. But Lawson was the most polished with his hand usage. Uh, He understood pass rush angles and attacks and how to read a pass set from a tackle and attack it. And he's shown that all season long. And not only is he getting the production with sacks, but he's consistently getting pressure. It's not like he's just had, you know, seven or eight plays that were sack-worthy. And, you know, he's consistently been there. I think he's had a couple sacks taken away by penalties. Um, so he's consistently been in and around the quarterback all season long because he is that caliber of a player. It's really changed what, what Cincinnati's able to do. And it's been the most improved part of their team. Now, I think if they could get some other aspects of the, of the, of the team... To play at a higher level, people would be noticing it more and more, but their ability to get pressure with some of those pressure packages. Michael Johnson had two sacks the other day. Chris Smith has made an impact. And obviously, Carlos Dunlap's been there a long time. And, but Lawson's the best one-on-one pass rusher of that entire group. And uh, you add Geno Atkins to that mix, uh, and that's a, pretty, that's a pretty scary front for the Bengals, <laughs> and they have the ability to get pressure in a lot of different ways with some of the twists and the looks that they, they use up front. But Lawson's the guy that's isolated a lot one-on-one on the edge. Because he can win there while they're doing a bunch of other stuff schematically inside.
2: There's no doubt that it's been the the lone or, or one of the lone bright spots for the Bengals this year. He's John Ledyard. You can follow him on Twitter at Ledyard NFL Draft. He's the host of the Locked On NFL Draft podcast, which is on iTunes and pretty much everywhere else that you can get uh, get podcasts. John, as always, man, I appreciate the time.
3: Hey, no problem, James. Thanks so much for having me.
2: That's John Ledyard. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Ledyard NFL Draft. Good stuff from John, as always. And that's going to do it for today's podcast. For me, I'm James Erpine. You can follow me on Twitter at James Erpine, at Locked On Bengals. Tomorrow, I will be at the Bengals locker room in there, getting you audio, taking you behind the scenes with the latest Bengals news and insight. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Until next time, I'm James Erpine. Thank you so much for listening to the Locked On Bengals podcast.